Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome along to the flagship show following week 10 of Five Yard Rush. There's no Murph today. He's been uh, moving home and is currently without internet. I don't know how anybody survives in this day and age without internet, but uh, I'm sure he'll be back next week to tell us what kind of books he's been reading and, and drawings, I'm sure. So uh, I'm pleasure to be joined this week by our very own Dynasty show host, uh, Rich uh, at Dynasty Islands on Twitter. How are you, Rich? Are you well? I, I'm very good. Thank you very much. What I want to know is Murph's got a little one. How, how the hell can you cope with a little one without the internet? I'm not sure... I'd, I could cope or wife could cope without Paw Patrol and Netflix and all that kind of stuff. It's, it seems crazy to me. I've got two. So when you've got two, it's not too bad. You can just chuck them in a ring with an inflatable and let them go. <laughs> but um, oh yeah, one of them you, know, I guess you need to spend more time on with. So uh, um, how are you doing anyway, Richard? Are you well yourself? I know your, your Jets had a bit of a, a poor one. <laughs> I wasn't going to lead with it, but then I figured I might as well lead with it. So let's get it out I of the way. I had a joke with uh, with someone else this morning saying, "I wonder how long it's going to be take till uh, <laughs> till we talk about the Jets." So I was uh, the over under was about five minutes. So I think we've definitely smashed the under on that. Um, yeah, I think we're under two. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the the Jets are woeful. Um, 
I've, I've been a Jets fan for 21 years. It's um, it's very much expected, unfortunately, this time. It's uh, yeah, no 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 massive surprise, shall we say? It isn't, and as you know, being a Bucks fan myself, it's very rare we get the opportunity to gloat. The last sort of 18 months have been one of them. Although this week we might move swiftly along. I was going to say, not, not, not so much blatant <laughs> this week, perhaps. No, we'll move swiftly along now. Hey, look, I'm the host. I get to dig your team out. <laughs> you don't get to touch mine. That's how this works, okay? That's good to know. Good to know. Super. So just a reminder, everybody, uh, to interact and follow us. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all the other podcast sites. We're at Five Yard Rush, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and the show this week, we're going to have a look through week 10. We're going to have a look at what we've learned from week 10, any sort of trends to take an eye on, uh, injuries and next week's buyers looking ahead. And then we're going to have a little look. Last week we did redraft and Murph talked us through his strategy for those teams on the bubble of playoffs and where we go and what you can do to, one, make the playoffs and two, put yourself in the best position possible for success. Uh, I figured we'd keep a similar theme. We're joined by Richard, say, who is our dynasty host. So I figured we'd pick his brains a little bit and how that differs on, on a dynasty side. Um, because obviously there's more long-term options. It isn't you win now, you have other options available too. So I thought I'd just see what his thoughts on it were. But before we get into it, as ever, I'd like to thank our friends at Manscaped uh, for sponsoring the shows. Uh, they are the global leader in below-the-waist grooming and want you to look your best at all times with the Tom Brady of Ball Trimmers, the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Uh, be sure to check out their website, Manscaped. Dot com and use the code five yard rush for twenty percent off and free shipping. So with that out of the way, Rich, week ten, what sort of caught your eye? What surprised you? I think there was a few things. I think first of all, it was that what was I guess expected to be kind of the the fixture of the weekend was Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, both back, expected to be you know two fantastic offenses dueling it out and. Yep. Um, yeah, it, 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 didn't, it didn't really deliver in that sense, did it? I think the Seahawks, quite frankly, from from a Jets perspective, it's fantastic that they're struggling because we've got their first round pick. But um, <laughs> I think offensively, it was basically a non-event, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah, cre- credit to the Packers' defence, but scratching your head and asking a few questions that offence. Why do we think that is for the Seahawks? Obviously, there's no Chris Carson still. The, he's been practicing, but wasn't quite able to to come off IR for the game. I'm going to guess they're expecting back next week. Do you think that's what it is? That their heavy run game that they rely upon early, or I, I the injury coming back for Wilson, or think, what was it? I think that was part of it. I think obviously the weather wasn't great. It was pretty cold, and I've not I've not broken a finger myself. But I can imagine if you've you've broken a finger and you're coming back, the last thing you want is that sort of cold. Key. It's probably not exactly fun to grip the ball. So I do think it's a, you know, perhaps a question mark and we'll see what happens with them this week. Um, mm-hmm. I think certainly if, if they struggle again this week, I'll probably be asking a, a few more serious questions because, you know, from a fancy perspective, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson are probably the core of a lot of people's rosters, aren't they? Um, from the running back side of things, I, you know, I said this probably a month ago, um, and I've, I've believed it since. I really worry that Chris Carson is is not coming back. I think anytime you're talking about degenerative arthritic conditions, um, you know, I immediately think Todd Gurley and his knee. And by the sounds of, I'm not, not a doctor, but from what I've been told by the doctors and the experts, what he has in his neck is what Todd Gurley had in his knee. And, you know, we saw, we saw the fall of Todd Gurley as soon as that kind of happened. And I, I do worry that, you know, 
quite frankly, I wouldn't want to be messing around with the neck, particularly playing a sport like American football. So it's a heavy it, impact area, right? Exactly. <clears throat> and I think if, if Chris Carson comes back, you know, credit to him, that's absolutely fantastic. But I do worry that we might not see him back and, and it could be a one of these where he yes, he's practicing, he's got three weeks to be back on the active roster. If if he's not in, you know, this week or next week, then that's him done for the season. So is the Seahawks, was it a blip for them, do you reckon? Or fantasy-wise, are we are they going to bounce back from that? I'm, I'm hoping it's a blip. It's definitely a put a pin in it and let's, let's, let's reassess next week. I'm very much hoping it's a blip because I do think that, you know, I, I believe in this offense. I believe in Russell Wilson. I think he's an absolute stud. And um, I also think that the Packers' defense is underrated. I think Eric Stokes mm-hmm. had a phenomenal game on Sunday. And I think that... You know, if, if if the Packers have now got two top tier corners in Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes fully healthy, that's that's a scary defense once you, you're getting into playoff times. Because you know, if you if you can lock down two guys on the outside and and it gives you an extra body in the middle of the field to to do with whatever you want. But I, I do think I, I'm hopeful that the Seahawks bounce back, and it was just a, a one week blip. Fair. And talking to bounce back. It seems Patrick Mahomes and that was lovely, wasn't it? Did you like that segue? That was that was beautiful. <laughs> we hadn't rehearsed this at all, but there we go. Um, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes certainly seem to have done that this week. I'm I'm very happy because I'd have uh, I've been saying I think it's six weeks now since I went on the DFS pod and I said I'm I'm all in on the Chiefs. They're going to bounce back. They're too good not to. Patrick Mahomes is too good. You don't just turn into a pumpkin overnight and. Yeah, ho- hopefully this means the Chiefs are properly back. You know, Kelsey's back, Hill's back, and, and Mahomes are back, and they're back to being those you know first round studs that that we all drafted them to be in in redraft leagues. Well, I think Kelsey's picked up tight end one in PPR without a touchdown this week so far. Monday Night Football pending, which is which and is I think quite an achievement. <laughs> him, his usage, I think, is what's unlocked Mahomes, and I think the. So I was, I was listening to um podcast earlier and it was talking about next-gen stats. The so next-gen do a thing where it's called in-rhythm throws. And it's basically, I think it's between two and a half and three-second throws. And it's it's basically, that's the point at which you hit, you drop back, you're, you're getting your first read and you get them all out. But it's not that, you know, zero-step drop, super quick passing game. It's, it's the consistent chain movers. And that's the first game in which Mahomes has had an in-rhythm in completion since week four which wow. seems mind-blowing because, you know, that's that's his bread and butter and that's what we expect. But hopefully, this is Mahomes. They've, they've, they've unlocked it. I think Kelsey looked fit again. I think he's not looked fit for a few weeks. And I think he looked fantastic on Sunday. Hmm. Um, and hopefully, that means that's it. The, the Chiefs are back. I, I still think they're lacking a third third weapon. Yeah. Um, if we're going to see Darrell Williams get nine nine targets a game um maybe maybe that is the third weapon i see andy reed said today that ch should be back next week so hopefully hopefully that could be you know an interesting dynamic for andy reed he's he's kind of been resistant to those two back sets but could we see you know ch lining up as a slot receiver and and daryl williams in the backfield and vice versa and, and they can almost cobble together that third receiving weapon from the, the two above-average backs that they've got, let's be honest. Yeah, I've said all along, they, they don't need to depend on them to run as such today. It's, um, it buys other stuff in their game. And, I mean, they've got a an interesting schedule game next week. Cowboys could be a very high point, high offence, fast-paced offence, both sides of the ball there. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. They're heading into a buyer, so they've kind of got that bit of leeway there as well after it. So could be yeah, a, a high fantasy point scoring game. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it's an absolute, you know, barn burner and not a, a 10 point dud or something like that. I think the over-unders opened at 53 and a half, I see this morning. So, you know, it's, it's perhaps not as high as it would have been last year if if that was fit and firing. But, like, you know, that's I think that would have been second highest this week if it was. So it's, it, Vegas are expecting points. So let's cross our fingers and hope that it's, it's going to be another big one. Fair, because the Cowboys certainly delivered on that this week. Uh, I think you won your matchup if you had a Cowboy or two and lost it if you didn't. It's kind of how yeah. it went this week. It's it's a dream, isn't it? I'm in a, I so I'm in a 32 team uh, dynasty league, and it's yep. you start start five players, and I had Dak and CD Lamb, and and that was pretty much it. <laughs> I'd, I won my matchup despite who else I had because those two. So were, you carry the spare points over. You could probably win three weeks worth of matchups. With yeah, those two. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That. It was very pleasing as as a as a huge CD Lamb fan, and to be honest, as a huge Dak Prescott fan, I think it was you know hugely impressive and lovely to see. I think. I'm calling it now. I think that Dak has kind of solidified himself, perhaps as as MVP favourite. I'm not sure Ooh. Vegas will agree at the minute, but I think Ooh. to me, I think he's I think on his comeback player. Yeah, I think that's I think that's locked up, isn't it? You know, we've already got that established. But I do think that you know who would you throw out? I think the Bills the Bills are faltering. Yes, obviously they they stuffed the Jets, but to me yep. that's nothing. They've had we've two three bad Jets. weeks. Yep. I think. Tom Brady, whilst he's been fantastic, you know, he wasn't great on Sunday. Nope. And I do think that, you know, MVP is a narrative award, isn't it? Are they yep. are, are they going to want to give Tom Brady another MVP? He got his one where it was, you know, he's left New England, he's gone to Tampa, he's been incredible, let's give him an MVP. I don't think they're going to want to give him another one. So who else? Kyle is injured, Josh Allen's out. I think Lamar's, you know, not been incredible. Um I think he's, you know, the Ravens are so hit and miss, aren't they? Yeah. I think that, you know, may, maybe I'm a little bit early, but I, I really think that this Cowboys offense, if it continues firing, you know, they've got a lot of games against the NFC East to finish the season. I think they've got their five of their last six games are against the NFC East. Yeah, they like got that. Washington Giants, Washington Cards in the middle, then an Eagles game. They've also got the Raiders, who just go up a lot of points through the air. Yeah. Um, so there is some high scoring potential. Obviously, the Chiefs this coming week. Yeah, and uh, as you know, well, the Cowboys, so. they're gonna they're gonna walk the division. They're probably yep. gonna be maybe maybe they might be in the, round, in the hunt for the one, the one seat, seat now. conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I think yep. if that happens, why not Dak? You know, we've we've talked about the narrative, and he's you know incredible comeback. But I also think that you know I, I think he's people c- class him as that. Rushing quarterback, and I think yeah. to me that's completely misguided. I think he is as good a pocket passer and kind of operator in terms of from the mental side of the game mm-hmm. as anybody else in the league, not named Tom Brady, quite frankly. I think he's, yeah. you know, the way he can read defenses and get the ball out quickly yep. and manipulate defenses is, is, you know, second to none. Uh, and Michael Gallup coming back fit and healthy. Um, some of a lot of people expected big things off fantasy wise this year. It's, it's just another down and it's to, just coming back, yeah. Yeah, another weapon to an already loaded room, isn't it? It's it's just a you know embarrassment of riches when you think they've got Zeke Pollard. You know, yes, they're missing Blake Jarwin, but Dalton Schultz has been fantastic this year. And then you've got three elite receivers, and then you've got 
okay, Cedric Wilson's injured, but then you've got Malik Turner flashing randomly last week, haven't you? Two so, DDs last week, yeah. Exactly that. So, yeah, it's an incredible offence. I think if, if Tyron Smith can come back healthy, I, I don't know the situation if that's going to happen, but yep. if he's healthy, this offence is scary. And I think you've got, I know Murph doesn't like the the young, uh, young offensive minds uh, <laughs> kind of quote as such, but I think like, Callum Moore to me is is that young offensive mind. I think he's fantastic, and I I really am all in on this offense. Fair. Um, we think Dak's probably got comeback players signed up. Somebody else who made a comeback this weekend, Cam Newton. <laughs> like, These are just, we yeah. have not scripted this at all. It's fantastic. It's just it's going just, through the list. Yeah, just, um, just making making your money on uh, on seamless. Uh, I know. You know, move throughs, and um, <laughs> I'm cocking up by talking over them now. So Cam Newton at one stage yesterday had two snaps, including a rushing touchdown and a throwing touchdown. Um, I don't know quite what to make of that. Um, is it yeah, genuine? I, I mean, they've, Matt Rule's come out today and said that he'll be taking most of the first team snaps in practice this week. So I think he's starting Sunday, isn't he? I think that's already pretty much nailed in. I think, yeah, PJ Walker was, it was a nice little uh, story. XFL hero turned NFL back up that's going to start and you saw on Sunday they brought Cam Newton in for a reason I'm a big believer anyone who listens to the Dynasty Pod will know I'm a big believer in contracts and you know they, they didn't pay Cam Newton to be the backup you know I think it was five six million guaranteed potential to earn up to ten million that's, 10, that's not backup right. money oh, yeah, yeah that, that's not backup money they brought him in to play and look if if he's healthy, I was very excited for him this year from the Patriots' perspective because I thought you could get him at an absolute bargain. Yep. And I thought that, that there's never been any questions on his his effectiveness in that you know goal to go space. Yeah. I think he's arguably in the last fifteen years you know the most devastating weapon in that sort of green zone, whatever you want to call it. Yep. From a fancy perspective, you know, if may, maybe somebody else can play between the twenties and they just bring him in at the red zone next week again, that would be fantastic because it means he can't, you know, cock it up, can't throw any interceptions and and just walk in touchdowns. But I think there's no question that if he's fit, if he's firing, he's he's absolutely fancy relevant, isn't he? I think he's um, probably not going to expect, you know, the 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 efficiency of two plays, two touchdowns, but. If healthy, the guy has always been an elite talent. Well, I see. I mean, two weeks ago, the Saints lost Jimmy Swinston, uh, and it looked like Taysom Hill was going to step in, and there was talk of grabbing Taysom Hill as that league winner. Taysom Hill, when he played, I think it's four games last year, had three QB one performances, and there was talk of him coming in and being, especially in the super flex leagues, where you know you're picking backups up and they're thin on fire on the ground. Um, Taysom could have been that league winner. Do you think? It hasn't quite worked out that way as of yet, but do you think Cam Newton could be for people? I think is, is this just a bad <laughs> shot because I uh, I went on record and said that Taysom Hill was going to be a league winner, and uh, yeah, it's, it's not turned out that way so far, is it? Um, I, I think league winner for Cam is probably a little too rich for me. I think I think he's got the potential to be a solid QB two. I think if you know if you've picked him up for free off waivers and and you're getting a QB two putting out fifteen to twenty points a game, yeah. then I I guess that you could argue that's league winning. <laughs> basically, you've, you've you've spent yep. nothing to acquire him. Um, but I think if if you're expecting him to be a QB one rest of season, I I certainly am not 
not feeling comfortable with with that as a as a kind of a claim. But a super flex, you've got Kyler Murray perhaps who's touch and go, or you've got Matt Stafford or someone coming up on bye week still. If he's in your oh. league, is he someone you're going to go out and, and pick up just to fill that hole? Especially the way injuries have been occurring or COVID. Ben Roethlisberger went down on a day's notice. I, 100%. I think if, if Cam Newton's available in your Superflex leagues, I'm depending on your quarterback situation, if you're struggling, I'm probably blowing all my budget. Because if if you've not got, in my mind, you know, if you've not got three starting quarterbacks from a Superflex perspective, mm-hmm. then I think you're going to struggle to compete. So, yeah, if if I'm... You know, as you said, maybe struggling with Cam Newton, uh, Colin Murray. Maybe if I've got, I think Teddy Bridgewater's on by this week. Staff, Matt Stafford, yeah, I'd absolutely go out and spend an awful lot of fab because I think any starting quarterback should be rusted in every Superflex league, let alone one that's got the, you know, the rushing and uh, touchdown potential of Cam Newton. Fair. I'm going to do it again. Talking of rushing potential. Antonio Gibson. This is just magic. You feed me and you just set them up. It's like volleyball. You, you knock them up and I'll knock them over. Um, Antonio Gibson has a disappointing year so far, fantasy-wise, um, but saw a career high 24 carries against the Bucks. Is that yeah. likely to continue, do we feel? or I, I think it's purely dependent on what the hell's going on with his shin because... I was so high on Antonio Gibson. I was super excited about him coming into the year. And he's basically not been healthy. I think we saw that week one usage and everybody got super excited because it was like, oh, they're they're targeting him in the the passing game. He's going to be a complete three down back. And, you know, everybody thought sky's the limit in terms of his fantasy potential. Um, And then uh, week two, JD McKissick came in, saw his six, seven targets. Antonio Gibson proceeded to not get used at all. But then, you know, he's, he's... basically got a stress fracture in his leg. I mean, yeah. as as a man that's that's not ever had a stress fracture, I can't imagine how painful that is. Have you ever broke any bones or fractured anything? I've, trust me, I've broken an awful lot of bones. <laughs> I've broken a lot of bones. But yeah, not, no, no stress fractures, but that, that sounds incredibly painful that he's carrying on playing. So hopefully this is, he's finally getting healthy and able to carry the rock. But I think maybe McKissick's performances have meant he, he needs to get himself out there for, for his career. I mean, you're a dynasty person. I was very high on Gibson coming into the year. I know I traded John Ray Swift for Antonio Gibson straight up before the start of the year. Ouch. Yeah, I've had eight weeks of, <laughs> <laughs> of Antonio Gibson, so thanks for that. Although I got a win in that league this week because he got two touchdowns, and I'll take that. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, so fingers crossed for him it carries on. I don't think he's quite going to be the prospect that some had hoped fantasy-wise. There was talk of him being... CMC 2.0, if you will, and it hasn't quite materialised as of yet. But I think game script as well this weekend perhaps helped the number of carries he got. It's interesting, though, that, you know, three or four weeks ago, we were talking about teams not even trying to run on the ball and bucks, was it? Yep. And, and it was, you know, teams, I think, were having like five or six rushing attempts for an entire game. And, and it, it was absolutely ridiculous. You know, the Bucks yep. front seven is so elite, you don't even try it. And then Khalil Herbert kind of had his breakout game against the Bucks and almost turned them into humans slightly, didn't he? And and now we've seen, I think it's two weeks on the trot, three weeks on the trot, where a running back has produced on the ground. Yeah. Um, I, 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 they had a 13-minute, 75-yard drive at the end of the game to, to kill it out. 
that was, you know, as a, as a non-Bucks fan, that was blooming impressive. And as, as a huge Tyler Heineke fan, it was it was great to watch. I, I, I don't know if you've seen, so Vita Vea obviously went down injured yes. at the end of that drive. Yes. I've not seen any talk about bone, how he is. Bone bruise and slight, I think it's MCL. It'll miss some time, but not IR worthy is the early report. Uh, okay. But then Antonio that- Brown... And Rob Gronkowski were not IR worthy, and here we are, four weeks later, still waiting for them to suit up again. So, yeah, I don't know it's... if the Bucks have got an IR register this year or not. Because <laughs> that's uh, that could be huge if if he's going to miss some time. I think he is, you know, he's incredible, and um, yeah. if, if he's going to be out for a prolonged period of time, it it makes that Bucks defense from a running perspective not such a scary matchup. Yeah, it does. In the running game, is is huge, and he helped us through the playoffs, no doubt, last year. So, um, a couple of things I think you, you've pointed out: Mac Jones, someone you, you want to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. I think look, Murph. Credit to Murph; he's been banging the drum saying Mac Jones is the, is the best rookie quarterback all pretty much all year. And I've been very hesitant and saying that he's he's been the most impressive rookie quarterback. Yep. But I don't think he's the best. He's been in a situation that if you were going to draw up the perfect situation for a rookie quarterback to fall in, you'd go established head coach, fantastic play caller, good defence, good running game, some decent passing weapons. Okay, that last one maybe is a little bit questionable, but they've it's not the worst receiving core in the league. Nope. Um, but it's an incredible, you know, ticks every box from a... From a ideal landing spot perspective I've kind of been hesitant to say that Mac Jones is the real deal because I think he's been kind of managed as such you know we've seen a reasonably low ADOT it's been about delivering that short game getting the ball out quick over the last few weeks we started to see a few more deep shots kind of develop the offense a little bit but he's never really had to make kind of big time throws he's never really had to be you know put the game on his back and go out and win it kind of thing. It's been the Pats have won the games that you'd expect them to win and lost the games you'd expect them to lose. Apart from maybe that Chargers game was the only game you'd say they kind of won when, when we had a question. Um, and then, yeah, this week he was, he was absolutely phenomenal. I, I can only, you know, say how incredible he was. I think that the Browns basically said, we, we're going to play man coverage and pressure on third downs and we, we don't think you're good enough to, to pick us apart or your receivers are good enough to get open. And basically the receivers didn't get open. Mac Jones threw him open. He was, you know, his accuracy has, has never been a question. It's been a question about whether his lack of mobility, lack of athleticism and non-elite arm strength was good enough to, to kind of operate at the NFL. And he absolutely, you know, answered all of those questions plus more. He was, that's the most the most impressive rookie quarterback display I've seen in yeah six or seven years. I think to me, I was sort of thinking the Patriots, yeah, cute story. They'll make the playoffs, but they're not going to do anything. Whereas I think maybe I need to reassess my thoughts with, with the Pats. Cause I think their ceiling has just gone, you know, two or three steps higher because Matt Jones showed me something I did. I didn't think he could ever do in the NFL, let alone, you know, 10 weeks into a rookie season. And all those flexing Jacoby Myers for nine weeks suddenly, <laughs> finally got their reward, right? It was it was hilarious. It shows you how much that this stuff, you know, we, we talk about players being professional and it not affecting them and stuff like that. 
but you could see that that was really affecting them. Like there is no way he should have been on the field. They had Brian Hoyer in a quarterback. Yeah. Like there's no way he should have been even on the field. And there's well, the next one. It will now be a, a Patriots starting quarterback hasn't thrown a touchdown to Jacoby yeah. Myers for however yeah. long. We're just adjust but, the stats slightly. But they're up. However many they were, was it 30 points at the time? And and they're forcing him the ball just to try and get him the touchdown. And then you see the reaction of the entire team, wasn't it? I mean, there was 30, 40 guys mobbing him in the end zone. That's it was it the the streak was laughable, but the reaction was even better. That's it. And here we go again. Segway now. Wide receivers. You've done a bit of looking at some trends on wide receivers. Yeah, absolutely. So a, a few kind of interesting nuggets that I thought that was keen to kind of address and, and highlight. So going back to the talk earlier about the, the Seahawks passing up offense. So, so Tyler Lockett saw eight targets. He only caught two of them for 23 yards, but his air yards. So that's if you took every target from the point at which he gets the reception and count those as air yards, it was 183 air yards. DK Metcalf caught three of his eight targets for 26 yards but had 112 air yards. Um, so I think that, you know, basically the, the the peripherals are there, the targets are there, the air yards are there. Something just wasn't quite right between Russell Wilson and um, and the receivers. And whether that's, as we said, the great Packers D, whether that's perhaps just a bit of a from Russ. Yeah, um, I think it's, if, if you're a Lockett or a DK Metcalf owner, don't panic yet. I think if if the same issue comes again next week, then by all means panic. But I think it's it's a one week thing. Um, and then the other one, so Stephon Diggs, obviously, you know, he had an incredible year last year, won a lot of people titles, didn't really perform incredibly to start the year. A lot of yeah. questions. I think Sunday to me proved that that he's a hundred percent back now. I think he's he's back in that kind of top five wide receiver title. I think he's to me, the best route runner in the league. I think watching, I could watch him run routes all day. He's absolutely incredible. Just get separation at will in man coverage. Yep. Um, so he saw a 46.4% target share, which is wow. obscene. Yep. Um, I think the fact Cole, Cole Beasley's now questionable, he's got a rib injury, uh, potentially not going to play. That's only going to play in Stephon Diggs even more. In talking of air yards, so he led the league last this week mm. in 208 air yards he was wide receiver two on the week from a fantasy perspective I think for me Stephon Diggs is is back in that league winner potential I think he's a as I said top five wide receiver going forward so you think Stephon Diggs is more an issue of cream will rise to the top you've just got to give it time to get there I guess yeah Yeah, there was never any doubt on his talent there was never any doubt on that offence you know being able to deliver Mm -hmm. um it was just about was was Josh Allen slightly regressing? Were there, you know, they're bringing in Emmanuel Sanders, who obviously had all those touchdown receptions earlier in the year, and, and was that taken away for Stephon Diggs? But I think look, Stephon Diggs is the one in this offense. I think Stephon Diggs is going to lead this team in targets for the rest of the season. Obviously, Cole Beasley's leading the team in t- in receptions at the moment. I think that will shift, and I think this is going to be a offense that runs through Stephon Diggs again for the next kind of six seven weeks. There's also an element of the last year's performances from Stefan Diggs that team are a bit more wary of him and safeties are sitting deeper and covering and he's getting double coverage a lot. So you have to factor that in somewhere down the line, don't you, on it? So Yeah, and I think I think that you've also seen with this, you know, people have talked about it so much over the last 
10 weeks, we've seen a massive shift in defensive schemes this year. Brandon Staley had, you know, a, a unique defense last year in that he was running that huge amount of cover two shell. He had Jalen Ramsey and he had Aaron Donald who, who were basically, you know, Aaron Donald could two gap, but also get penetration. And, Jalen Ramsey was able to basically take away whichever wide receiver you wanted. So they were able to play too high. And then coming into this year, everybody's gone, oh, yeah, we want teams to run the ball. We don't want them to pass deep. So if we play too high, no, nobody passes deep on us. And I think you've seen, you know, that's potentially some of the issues with Patrick Mahomes where teams are sitting too high and and basically saying, right, complete 10 passes on this on this drive if you want to score a touchdown and, and nobody's willing to do it. And I think that that's affected Stephon Diggs because where Stephon Diggs is incredible is that, as I said, he's he's the best route runner in the league and he can mm-hmm. destroy man coverage. Well, if if teams are playing him more too high, it's it's more, you know, it's it's harder to, to beat man coverage because you've then got safety set over the top. Yes, yeah. you, you can run pure zone coverage and, and you know, he, then he's about trying to find those weak spots. But if teams are running a lot of cover to man, you're just making his life much harder. And I think that what we need to see is if the likes of the Bills can start establishing a run game and and forcing teams to come out of that cover two shell and play more man, which, you know, for their sins, the Jets did try yesterday, bless them. Um, (laughs) It's good enough to execute as well, right? Oh, exactly. That's the problem. You know, when you've got a bunch of sixth, fifth, sixth and seventh rounds, you know, draft picks and playing corner and, uh, yeah, it's it's never going to be well. I don't think any of them could uh, could get close to from Diggs. Look, I think that it will be interesting to watch, but I really believe in the talent. I think that that he, for me, is back in that league winner category. Fine. And the last one I think you picked up is over at the Broncos. Cortland Sutton is somebody I am I'm a big fan of. I thought coming out of his injury, I expected yeah. a big year, especially with the relationship he had with Drew Locke prior to yeah. the injury. Um, although Locke's not doing the job now, but you've been looking at Jerry Judy instead. Yeah, so I I love Cortland Sutton. This is really hard for me to say because you know <laughs> I, I love I love my route runners. I, I, anyone who knows me, I I love guys that can you know can create separation. It's the reason I love Stephon Diggs. The reason I love Calvin Ridley, and it's the reason why I love Jerry Judy because I think he's a fantastic separator. But I always thought that this offense was going to be Cortland Sutton's. I thought he was going to be the target leader. Okay. I thought he was going to be you know, the better fantasy producer than Jerry Judy. And the way this kind of offense was set up from a contract standpoint is I thought it was going to be Sutton was going to get, you know, decent contracts at the end of the year. Jerry Judy was going to play out his rookie year. He was going to get a contract and they were going to be the one-two punch for this offense moving forward. Well, I've now got real concerns that Cortland Sutton's a free agent at the end of the year. Tim Patrick is the free agent at the end of the year. And we've now seen in two weeks on the trot, Jerry Judy has seen eight targets and nine targets. Mm-hmm. Tim Patrick has seen five targets and six targets. And Cortland Sutton has seen two targets and three targets. And my worry is, is that the Broncos are saying Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy are, my, are one and two moving forward. And Cortland Sutton could be the, the guy that's going to miss out and the guy that's going to be looking for a new home come come March April time next year. Um and yeah, that, that concerns me as as a guy that's got far too many shares of Cortland Sutton um in Dynasty League. So. I do I do <laughs> think that this this could be uh kind of an unforeseen 
parting of the ways at the end of the year. I'm going to take a 50-50 on this one because I had two guys, Cortland Sutton and Debo Samuel, people I was a huge fan of that I thought would come back and despite the performance of others, actually shine in the offences. Um, Debo, I think I got spot on uh, and Cortland Sutton I may have missed. So I'll take yeah. a 50-50 on that one. Yeah, that's, that's a decent record. Um, Sutton walks, Alan Robinson, Chris Godwin, Cortland Sutton. There could be some talent in free agency in the basically, summer. It's, it's a massive, it's a massive receiver year right it, it feels like we say that every year at the moment i think there's so much talent at the wide receiver pool mm. um the the thing i guess for me is that the thing that scares me a little bit more is that if you could say Cortland sutton's only playing you know 70 80 percent of the snaps he's seeing decent amount of targets on the snaps he's getting but it's not that at all no. Cortland sutton played 95 percent of the snaps on sunday tim patrick played 92 percent of the snaps yeah. and jerry judy played 77 so Jerry Judy's the guy who's playing the less snaps, and yet he's out targeting Cortland Sutton. Was it three to one, four to one? Like it's Easy. it's outrageous, and it it is very noteworthy. I think yes, part of it is quarterback. You know, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater is not a gunslinger. He's not an aggressive quarterback. He is an accurate quarterback at the short to intermediate areas. So he's always going to lean towards that route runner the guy that can get open and he can get the ball to that's why he and michael thomas succeeded so well at the same exactly exactly and it's and it's and that's that's the kind of guy that's going to succeed in his offense he's not going to be the guy that throws the ball up to you know 50 50 50 50 balls on the outside Cortland sutton go go and catch the ball that's that's not teddy bridgewater yeah but my concern is is that i don't know unless unless the broncos are bringing in aaron Rodgers. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't be shocked if Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback there next year. You know, well, I no, think I, I heard the Saints actually inquired about picking him up because of how well we done there, and the Broncos said there, there's no chance. Yeah. Absolutely no well, chance. I think look, the Broncos the Broncos are a fringe playoff team. Like there's, it wouldn't wouldn't be outrageous if you know. Yes, they got stuffed by the Eagles yesterday, but they're at what are they five and five now. They're, they're still in with an outside shot. I think if if they can. Potentially, unless I think there'll there'll be a team that will go into the offseason saying, "Can we get a massive upgrade at quarterback? Can we bring in a Rogers? Can we bring in a Russell Wilson? Can we, you know, there there will be a perhaps Jalen Hurts on the market, someone like that that they could potentially bring in. But if they miss out on all those talents, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if Teddy Bridgewater was back in. I'd yeah, say no. it's it's probably fifty percent chance Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback in Denver and. If that happens, I worry that Cortland Sun could be uh, could be walking out the door because he's he's not fit for Teddy. Fair enough. So we got you here. I want to talk strategy. We talked with Murph last week. I've got enough dynasty leagues that this probably occurs to me in in every shape and form. So teams that are what are we now ten weeks in four and six, six and four, sitting. I don't know anywhere between fourth and eighth. I guess in a twelve man team in a twelve team league. You're probably going to make the playoffs or not, or you're probably sitting three, four hundred points behind the leader at this stage. Realistically, you you may make the playoffs. You're going into it with no real confidence. Murph went through last week. What we can do in redraft to really put yourself in the best position: one, to make sure you make the playoffs, which is crucial, uh, and then two, to actually enter it with confidence so that you've actually give yourself the best possible chance to succeed. 
I wanted just to pick your brain a bit and see what your strategy is and from a dynasty perspective at this stage, because obviously there's more options open to you and there's future years to consider and such like. So there you are. You're in that middle bubble spot. You're a bit behind. What are you doing? I don't know. There's a lot of variables here. I think but for me, the going fir- down on record, so get it right. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> Making notes. All right. I think, I think for me, the first thing I've got to do is I want to take complete stock of my roster. Okay. I want to assess each position. The way I break it down is that I assess every single position in my roster. I assess, I assess one backup for each position. So if I'll say it's quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, two two flex and a super flex on a tight end forget about them i will assess one person for each of those i'll assess a backup quarterback a backup running back a wide receiver and a backup flex okay Okay. and then what i do is i basically assess what you're assessing what you're looking for so so what i'm looking at is basically where am i compared to the rest of my league Okay. okay so for my qb1 spot have i got a top five qb have I got an average QB one, so like a five to eight QB, okay. or have I got a below average QB one? So is my yeah. QB one ranked nine to twelve or later? Okay, yep. so that basically then gives me on my above average. So have I basically got a positional advantage at that position on my average, or have I got below average? Am I losing on an average matchup? Say, okay, okay, I do that for every position. And I give it a little traffic light. So I'll have green for above average, orange for average, red for below average. Okay. And that's basically, I'll then view my roster. And if your roster is all red and orange, hopefully that's telling you something. If your roster's all green, you're loaded and ready to go. Okay. I think that once you've done that, you've assessed your roster. What you then need to do is go and look at the the league standings and by that I don't mean go and look at your record because you yep. can be three and six and have the best roster in the world. Yeah. And there's many like that. Be, yeah. Well. You can equally be nine and one and be absolutely yep. terrible. Yep. Um what I like to do is I like to look at max points for okay. and points for. So for those of you on sleeper, if you go into the standings view details, you can sort by points scored but also max points scored, which is basically best ball format. Okay. Um, hopefully they're nice and close, which means you're setting decent lineups. If they're miles apart, you probably need to look at your uh, your process for start sits. Um, but then once once I've kind of decided on that, assessed, I'm then making a decision: Am I in a position to compete? Am I in a position not to compete? And it's as simple as that. There's no, you know, I like to view it as it's like being pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. There's, there's no like 50-50 grey area. And I that's how I view Dynasty rosters. You're either a contender or you're not. And if I'm not a contender, then well, perhaps we'll come on to that later and we can talk about it. But if I'm a contender, I'm then looking at those gaps on my roster. On okay. Where am I weak? So make your yellow green and your red yellow. <laughs> exactly that. And where can I perhaps make moves to, to have no gaps? Because okay. look, every every roster is going to have gaps. You're not going to be perfectly green throughout, but if you can cover any potential gaps, have a more balanced roster, then I think it puts you in a better position 
for the for the playoffs. And and the reason I talk about only wanting one backup for each spot is I think people get confused. You know, let's be honest, some dynasty rosters, I'm in leagues where it's like 35-man rosters, okay? It's only 11 starters on Sunday. So there's only like 14 relevant players. So basically 20 guys on my roster, I'm not going to start during the playoffs. Because unless something drastically goes wrong, you're not going to need your 7th or 8th wide receiver or 7th or 8th running back. You know, you should know who your best team is, pretty much. You know, play the odd match up here or there. And I think you, in Dynasty, can sometimes use those depth pieces that you're not looking to help bolster that that kind of starting starting team, starting 11, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think that's where you're hopefully improving those little gaps to make those steps up. Okay. So one of the things Merce said last week was he'd look at your, your fantasy schedule, first of all, and he said, trade away players that have still got a buyer to come for players that have had a buyer. So you basically taking a man away from an opponent that week and, and bolstering your max points in that respect. Is that something in Dynasty you'd consider in Dynasty? Because obviously there's a longer term game here. I think if it's two guys that have, you basically value exactly the same, then mm-hmm. then why not go for it? If it's, you know, in in a realistic scenario, you're, you're, you're probably not going to do that because why would you take a player of less value for the next three, five years just for that slight gain. I think in Dynasty, you know, we need to be looking longer term than just this playoffs. I think it's a fantastic strategy and I love it and I use it from from Murphy Tobby it last year and I absolutely use it um, in redraft leagues. But from a Dynasty perspective, I think if you're taking a hit long term for that small win, I think it's probably... But is that not what it's about? But I think, absolutely. But I think that there's a, you know, there's there's multiple ways to get there. And I think that if you're mortgaging the future unnecessarily for a small game, I think you're you're destined to put yourself in a worse position longer term. And yes, it might it might help you gain that small advantage for this week, but in six months' time. Your, your roster value is going to be less. Your your team's going to be in a, a worse position and you're going to think, why did I do that for that small game? But you'll have a trophy set and your mental piece, mate. And, and if you, if, <laughs> and if you right do it, you know, as Brian Winhorst always says, if you win a title, it means you never have to say you're sorry. And and I, I completely buy into that if you win a title, but that's that's a big if. And um, yeah. I, think, I think that, look, in redraft, you know, selling those those bi-week guys to get into the playoffs is fantastic. But in Dynasty, there should already be a pretty established hierarchy of who are the contenders, who's making the playoffs. If you're having to mortgage the future for that small little window just to get in the playoffs, you're probably just getting into the playoffs to lose. Okay. Because because there's already better guys and there's already better teams. So is that where instead of looking at the next six weeks and what you can do to put yourself in position for the playoffs and in position for a championship. Is that where you go? Okay, let's look at the next 18 months or two years. And I'm going to, I've got a decent roster. I've got a pretty set standard. My first team you've looked at is a handful of greens, a couple of yellows. Is that where you're then going, what do I need to do for next year now to put myself in that top two or three in the standings as opposed to sitting at fifth and sixth? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, 
to me, I, I have two rules. I, you're either contending or you're not. Said, and yeah, yeah. If, if you're contending, do everything you can to win the title. Great. If you're not contending, and that could be, you could be in fourth place in the standings, set in the playoffs, you know, but looking at your roster, you're like, I have no idea how I've got here. I'm, <laughs> I've got more into the playoffs. You know, my advice is always never tank out the playoffs, see how it goes. But it happens. But you, you, I wouldn't be mortgaging the future to try and win now. Whereas if you're in that, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth spot or even lower, then yeah, I'd be turning my attention to next year and tweaking ways in which you can be better for, you know, as you said, next season, 2023. Yep. I think my advice is always never, I think the people think, oh, it's dynasty. I need to build for 10 years. I'm going to win a title for the next 10 years. If you're looking beyond 18 months, two years, I think you're playing dynasty wrong because I think that you're one of these that will always be like, oh, next year my team's going to be great. Next year my team's going to be great. And those people never win the title. I think if you're rebuilding beyond a year, I think you, you need to take a look and, and think, um, am I being too kind of aggressive with your rebuild as such? I've played fantasy for a fair while. I'm a huge dynasty fan. And for me, I don't know if I do it right or not. The To go back to back in dynasty is actually a fair achievement. Absolutely. It's how I'd see it. And because so much variation changes within that, that time period. Um, so if you put yourself in a position to do that, I think that's that's worth trying to capitalize on. Um, Murph's second point, I think I know the answer to this one, but it was was bench management. So waiver ahead of schedule. So have a look at who may become relevant should someone go down. Dalvin Cook, we talked about last week, had all the press. Alexander Madison in most redraft leagues is sat on most waivers. Go and get him just in case. You want to be that guy that's got him not joining the rush to go and grab him next week. With the bigger rosters and the bigger, not bigger lineups necessarily, but the bigger rosters and benches that you have in Dynasty, I guess there's not really too much of an element of that, would you say? No, I'd, I'd completely disagree. I think it's huge. Um, okay. I think that's I think that's the, to me, when I'm talking to people about Dynasty, when I'm talking about, you know, giving off advice, I think that's the, the most forgotten aspect. Um, right. And I think that actually bench management is huge in Dynasty because I think people are like, oh, I've got 25 guys. Waivers are one of waves them. Are okay. lists. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be fine. Um, I think that look, the way I view it, as I said, I've got those starters, I've got one backup in each position. Yeah. And then the rest of my roster, I'm basically looking for guys that I think could be complete lottery tickets that, that could be, you know, league winners. Okay. okay. And the way I look at those is I will tend to have those positions as what I class volume based positions. Okay. So I will target quarterback and running back almost exclusively mm -hmm. with my end of bench spots. I'm saying quarterback as if it's a super flex league. If it's one QB, yeah. I'm not Don't worried. Bother. Yeah. Because you've seen it time and time again, you know, all running backs that get volume are fantasy relevant. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter what offense they're in. Yeah. If you're getting... 15 to 20 touches a game, you are a starter in fantasy, okay? We're sitting here after Dearness Johnson was the RB2 or RB3 this week in total points. Sound like you're asking me, wrong person. <laughs> um, 
And who who was rostering Dearness Johnson at the beginning of the year? Who was expecting yep. Dearness Johnson to to win people weeks? You know, twenty five points, win people weeks, fantastic. Look, I am I am always aggressive with those end of bench spots, but I am aggressive in I'm targeting running back and quarterback. Liam takes the mick out of me on the Dynasty Pod because all of my Dynasty rosters have basically yeah, but he has like been cocktailed in fancy glasses, so don't let him take exactly. the mick out of you at all. Exactly. <laughs> All of those benches have like 15 plus running backs because yep. if they go down, those are the guys I'm targeting. And and that's basically what I'm doing now in my dynasty rosters. But we saw that this week. We literally exactly. spoke about it last week and here we come, Mark Ingram. Perfect. You know, Perfect example in play. Probably wasn't rostered. He had what? Week one, he had 14 and a half points. And then week six, he had 10 points. Other than that, it's single digit weeks, single digit carries. He was probably in redraft on a waiver somewhere in Dynasty was sat down in someone like yours, Roster, where you've got him just in case. Yeah, absolutely. Sure enough, Mara goes down, 20-plus points stuck on the board. Yeah, and, it, you know, you, it doesn't even need to be just just that. You've looked, Darrell Williams, you know, he's yep. been fantastic for three or four weeks. How many people were rostering him at the beginning of the year? You know, Khalil Herbert, you, you can... Ramondre Stevenson... Every you know, Patriots running back, I was going to Matt, say, yeah. Matt Breeder, I'm not sure anyone was particularly starting him, but like, nope. there's guys on every he was roster. There, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Matt Breeder was at the Bills. Like, the God, Godwin Ekwabuke yep. was a top top 20 running back this week. You know, how many leagues was he rostered? I, I can hold my hand up and say I, I, I had two shares because basically any You're any there. running back that is going to get some volume, I'll add. Yes, Murph last week asked for somebody to send us a picture with a starting lineup with Malik Turner in it. <laughs> and I don't believe Murph might let me know different, but I don't believe we got somebody who started Malik Turner on his two touchdown week. Did anybody start Okwabuke? I said that right. I've no. Godwin, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce your name. I'll go one step further. Send me a roster of someone that started Matt Breeder. Like this is a guy that's yeah. you know has been yeah. fantasy relevant, and he was a, a top twelve back. But who, who three weeks ago, Jordan about? Howard, I guess exactly that. But those guys, you know, going into next week, if Jamal <clears throat> Jefferson left the game on Sunday injured, if Jamal yep. Williams is still out, yep. we've seen Detroit aren't going to give DeAndre Swift ninety percent of the opportunities in that offense. There will be another potentially relevant back because. Jared Goff can't throw the ball 30 times a game. So and they'll want to protect Swift. Let's face exactly. it, he's a future asset for them. So well. so maybe in, you know, if both of those guys are out injured, maybe Godwin could be flex worthy in in I'm talking deep leagues here. I'm talking, yeah. you know, 12 plus starters. But that's what I'm saying. That guy could potentially be startable. Whereas <laughs> for me, wide receivers. And I I use cutoff as I say like wide receiver 40 to 60 are guys that hold value that I'm never start that like, I just don't want to roster. So guys like um let me put up my ranks here. So someone like LaVisca Chanel, LaVisca Chanel, you know, Curtis Samuel, Sterling Shepard, Christian Kirk, Jacoby Myers. Colin Sutton's probably in that list. Colin Sutton's a little bit higher at the moment. But yeah, Jalen Rager, Marvin Jones, those are guys that hold value. You can sell for future picks. But are you ever going to start them? And if you're starting them, your starter is worse than your opponents. Because Fair. if you're starting a wide receiver 40, 50, 60, it's pointless. So rather than hold a load of wide receivers that you're not going to start, 
trade them away, shift them away for whatever you can get, whether it be future picks or those running backs. And, and if you are, if you can then get those future picks, you can then use those to go and upgrade slightly your starting lineup, which is what it's all about, isn't it? We yeah. want the best starting lineup. So if you can, you know, maybe you go and tie LaVisca Chanel and, you know, Jacoby Myers to a Antonio Gibson and it gets you DeAndre Swift or it gets you Jonathan Taylor or it gets you Christian okay. McCaffrey. Yeah. And and that way you've not really lost anything because whilst LaVisca Chanel has great name value and people yeah. will probably go, oh, I'll give a second for LaVisca Chanel. And they'll win you one game a year, but you've got to make sure he's in your lineup that one game. Exactly. He'll, he'll, he'll have yeah. a couple of breakout weeks, but it will be when he's on your bench. Yeah. Because wide receivers, you can never know who's starting when. And and that's that's why I will always lean towards loading up that bench on those volume based positions because that's okay. that's where the the kind of the fantasy juice comes from as such. Fair. So following on the the theme of segue and nicely, you've done it without even realizing because Murph's third point was trade for league winners, which you've just kind of covered off already. You know, use the assets you've got and the assets that you're not likely to use to somebody who who values them and. Sleeper's really good because it people can pick their icons and a lot of people have their team icons and I guess that's something else to maybe look for and target, right? Because Absolutely. people do have an affinity with the teams they follow and their receivers are better than most people would probably judge them, I guess. So yeah. um, try and use that to your advantage as well, I guess, if you... Maybe. Maybe I do this wrong because everybody approaches me and says, oh, are you interested in Jets players? And it's like, no, they, yeah. disappoint me. they disappoint me enough on a Sunday. They don't need to disappoint me in fantasy as well. I don't want Jets players. Whereas, well, on that I note, I asked somebody, I told somebody I was coming on with you today and said, have you got any questions Jets related for him? He's oh, one God. question he come back with is, will Corey Davis ever stop dropping catches? Which I didn't deem relevant really for the pod, but it's got in there somewhere. So <laughs> Yeah, I I think I think Corey Davis is he's one of these that I think he's an excellent wide receiver. Uh, sorry, Zip receiver. I think he is a fantastic at doing all the kind of extra pieces. And I think he is incredible as you know, in the run game and a blocker and all that kind of thing. But I think that he is a solid receiver and I think that he is very reliant on the quarterback and it's difficult you know he's been out with injury and he's battled injury but he's catching passes from no names and I know that Mike White got a lot of hype and everyone was excited about it and you know I'm sitting here and saying the the guy's trash you know if a team's going to sit back in cover two and let him complete complete 78% of his passes underneath go for it but he's never going to you know be a, a, a league you know a, a potential starting quarterback because he wasn't asked to do anything and he didn't do anything um yeah. basically the Bengals sat back and said we don't think you can you can pick us apart and you know complete all those passes underneath and, and that was basically what he did as soon as right. he was asked to do something he, he ended up losing I think look Corey Davis once Zach Wilson comes back once Zach Wilson gets settled into this offense mm-hmm. I think Corey Davis could be a wide receiver three fair but from my perspective, from a dynasty perspective, you know, Corey Davis is absolutely in that range of guys that I don't particularly want to roster because I think that he's the guy that holds some value. You can probably spend a second round pick on him, but from a week in, week out basis, yes, he could put you 10, 15 points on, but he could equally do what he did on Sunday and put drop a complete dud. So those are the guys I'm looking to shift off my roster and, and hopefully improve elsewhere. Fair. 
Murph's final bit of advice last week, and I don't know if you, you did listen, you said you did, but was <laughs> effectively, and he didn't quite say it in as many words, I'm going to paraphrase it, sell every packer you've got, especially Aaron Jones. Was <laughs> well, perhaps, what you got perhaps, at, I think. perhaps perhaps he's looking like a genius now because uh, it Aaron certainly seems got, that way. Got to get injured. Um, Anybody who listened to that advice last week and went, oh, I've got a point. I think I need to shift Aaron Jones out has suddenly just gone. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I think look, I I really want to go away and have have a conversation with Murph um, once once he's finished his, his half move um, because I really disagree. I think the Packers have got. A, a, like it's not it's not an awful it's not an incredible um playoff schedule but i don't think they've got a terrible playoff schedule mm. i think that aaron aaron jones is an an elite running back he's a guy that we've seen be incredibly efficient on his small touches and you know murph made the point of saying he's getting red zone uses and he's not converting yeah. well to me that says he's, he's getting red zone uses but i think he's due regression you know this is a guy who has been incredible in the red zone his entire career He's had he's had a bad stint in the red zone. I don't think he's become a bad player overnight. I really believe that. To me, when Murph said that, it was fantastic because I got, went and bought Aaron Jones cheap in two leagues <laughs> because everybody was looking to sell him. So and now you've got a load of leagues with an injured Aaron Jones. Well, this is it. Yeah, I've <laughs> I've been made to look like a mug because yeah, now he's going to be out for two weeks. But um, yeah, look, I I can I completely you know value Murph's opinion. I think he's an absolute genius when it comes to this stuff and he's probably going to be made to look right at the end of the season, not me, but I'm very intrigued to have that conversation because mm. based on my kind of playoff numbers that I use, I use adjusted fancy points allowed and it doesn't look awful. So I'm, I'm intrigued to, to kind of hear further from Murph around that point. Cause I know uh, oh. he, he wasn't exactly positive about Aaron Jones. Well, I know Murph's been listening cause he's had a couple of comments into us. So he may not have the internet, may not be able to support coming on, but couple of things he's asked he's gone back to our Cortland Sutton discussion first point he's come up with is fire Pat Schumer yeah. second yeah. point he mentioned is free Cortland Sutton and he actually agrees with us and yourself that Teddy Bridgewater will be the Broncos QB in 2021 so there we yeah, have there it go. there you go I think wait, look if Cortland Sutton gets freed if he's a free agent in the year I think it could be fantastic from his fantasy value the last thing he's asked me is ask Rich if he has his Mike White jersey on all yet <laughs> <laughs> never, never. Never. Would never would never would, a I'd never buy a jersey of an active player ever again. Okay. But it's 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 a thing because I just like I'm gonna sound really old and, and negative and perhaps it's the fact oh, I'm a yeah. Jets fan and all of our draft picks, <laughs> you know, turn to crap. But I, I just don't get it because you, you put all this spend all this money, you put all this hope in a player. And then normally you get like two years of use out of the jersey, and then then you're embarrassed. You know, I've I've got a, a couple of jerseys, but I've also got a Mark Sanchez jersey sat upstairs that I'm probably never going to wear again. I've got a Jimmy um, Swinston sat up there that I would exactly. certainly will not wear again. Exactly. So maybe maybe if I was buying jerseys, it would be you know I'd go out and buy a, a throwback jersey, um, but I'm I just stick to the t-shirts now. My last purchase was a Mike Evans, and I have to be honest, I think Mike Evans is a buck for life. So I'm well, there you go. See, see if it's. One. If it's guys like that, brilliant, okay? Yeah. But unfortunately, the Jets don't have guys like that who are nope. Jets for life. Because they're not very good, let's face it. Exactly. You know, Mar- Marcus May's the longest standing Jet, and yep. I'm 100% convinced he's on a new team next year because he's just torn his Achilles, and we're not going to pay him. So someone else will, I'm sure. Fine. So quick summary to your playoff prediction. Decide. 
whether you're actually contending or not, there's two answers there. The answer is either yes or no. Uh, if you are assess your team and a backup in each position, trade away those non-starters value pieces and, and try and package an upgrade on, on the areas you feel you can. Uh, if you're not competing, then, then obviously look at where you need to strengthen to improve for next year. Um, and buy Aaron Jones when he's back from injury is the bottom line because <laughs> his schedule isn't that bad according to Rich. So we'll wait and see what Matt has to say on that one next week. This could go on and on and on. We're just um, going to go back and forth each week. Yeah. Uh, Rich, anything else you want to cover off while we're here, sir? No, not at all. No, if, if you're not following me, you can follow me. I'm at Dynasty Island. Um, yeah. I recommend I, you do. If you aren't following you. Rich, please do. I do the, the Dynasty podcast with Liam on a Tuesday night. Um, yep. We live stream at 8 o'clock. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I do a Dynasty Wave Wire article, which will be dropping about lunchtime tomorrow. And I do a Dynasty Buys and Sells on a Friday. And that's that's pretty much me. Super. So on other stuff, we do have uh, Murph's Wave Wire show coming up shortly. Uh, again, he's not doing it, so you'll be blessed with my presence to, to do that for you guys. Dynasty show Tuesday, 8 o'clock, as you said. Wednesday, we've got the college and IDP, guys. Uh, and Thursday is our DFS show, all going out live. Uh, and Friday, we put out the matchups pod. Uh, also this week, I'm not sure which one it is, but I believe one of them is going to be the 500th episode going out. So that's uh, a fair Good achievement, one. all associated with Five Yard Rush. And uh, yeah, I've been here for a handful. So well done to everybody that's been involved with it. Uh, also, the fan team competition that's running uh, has been a free roll. I don't believe it will be this week, but it will be exclusive for Five Yard listeners. So what sure. I will say is make sure you tune into the DFS show on Thursday. Shout out to Mark Duffy who who won the the free roll last week. Um, he did, yeah, very very well done. He did. I was in the top thirty at one stage, ended hundred and seven. <laughs> I, I was in the top ten at one stage. I think I didn't finish in the top three hundred. So yeah, it went downhill very quick. <laughs> Fair. Then, Rich, if there's nothing else to add, I will bid you adieu. Thank you for joining me. And, Thank you for uh, having me. I look forward to next time we talk. All right. Awesome. And in words of Murph, keep rushing. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.